accumulation, preservation, generation. At Busey Bank, these are the principles we use to build meaningful financial partnerships with our clients and their families. With sound advice and vast resources, partner with Busey for a personalized approach to your legacy. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Member FDIC. Good morning. It is Monday, December 5th. It is seven minutes after nine. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. However, Rob Kendall is taking the day off. And in his place, we have the very fabulous Brad Klopfenstein. Thank you so much for coming in today. Good morning, Casey Daniels. How yeah, are you? I'm good. How about you? You had a little bit of a crawl on your way in down 70, the, the, huh? Yes, thanks. Well, thanks to Matt Bear, I, I learned that there was there was trouble brewing downtown mm-hmm. in the North Split, so... But uh, I got here just fine. I'm glad. I'm glad. Did you notice anything different in the studio this morning? It's cleaner. Um, (laughs) There's there's less crazy talk in here. The twinkling lights behind you? The elves came and decorated for Christmas this weekend. It looks nice in here. I wonder who did that. Do you know who did that, Kevin? Yeah, uh, I have no idea. No Maybe idea. Rob came in early. And <laughs> Rob did it. came in. He brought the dog in, hung some lights, and then left. I well, would like to thank the weekend crew for uh, yeah. decorating during their shift here. Yeah, it's very festive in here today. It looks nice. Well, we start off the show talking about the Twitter files. It's been handled. Right? It, it has been handled. Yeah, Elon Musk dumped a string of internal documents revealing Twitter's struggle to handle the Hunter Biden laptop story. Okay, so a couple things. Elon Musk tweeted out on Friday, this will be awesome with a little popcorn emoji. And uh, he said it's it's a lengthy Twitter thread. He enlisted the help of journalist Matt Tybee detailing internal documents that Musk apparently gave to Tybee. And uh, they revealed some requests from President Biden's campaign, also requests from Donald Trump's White House, and they were asking for certain tweets to be deleted. So the fact that Elon is releasing these documents, providing transparency on one of the most influential social media outlets. Some people are a little upset about this. They're acting like Twitter should be held to the same standard as journalists, but Here's the fact. Twitter is not a journalism platform. Is it biased? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) But it's not held to the same standards as a journalist. So here's a take on this. News outlets used to tell you the facts and you would decide your opinion. Now they give you an opinion and you're left to decide the facts. And Elon is now allowing us to make up our own minds based on openness and clarity. He's giving us the receipts. So how can people hold hold Twitter Mm -hmm. to journalistic accountability when 100% of their content is generated from people just like me and you? Most most of those people are crazier. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so I'll they, they exist to generate content. doesn't matter what it is. They, they hope that it's interesting. But the fact is, to go to Twitter and expect it to be non-biased is ridiculous. And, and I mean, they're in the business to do... They might have a spin, and if they have a spin, that's fine. It is a free service. Mm-hmm. I liken it to... I used to sell for Monarch Beverage. I used to sell beer, and I had Miller, 
Miller and Coors products. We did not sell Budweiser. People were not allowed to bring Budweiser to my house. Those are my house rules. Mm -hmm. If you don't like my house rules, you can drink somewhere else. Yeah. Same with Twitter. If you don't like the Twitter rules, you don't like how they're handling their platform. Don't consume it. Don't go there. There's Facebook. There's Instagram. There's a litany of other places you can go. You can have a sign and hang out on the circle if you want. (laughs) So Elon's being praised by liberty-loving people and vilified by those who are not happy with the information getting out. But he's exposing corruption, fighting pedophilia, fighting for free speech. Also while trying to send us to space. For or against pedophilia? Against. Okay. Okay, so he's concerned about democracy, free speech, the environment, the survival of our country. So here's the question, what have you done today? Are you you Uh, feeling just a little bit inadequate when you think of everything that Elon Musk is doing? He says the Biden administration violated the First Amendment. And in a tweet he sent out, he said Twitter acting by itself to suppress free speech is not a First Amendment violation, but acting under orders from the government to suppress free speech with no judicial review is Kevin? Do we have a bell that you can ring? We need a ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I, can, I can look for one. <laughs> no, it's okay. I should have. I didn't know Casey was going to drop that in my lap. That's. But yes, that's absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. So yes, it, and again, it goes back to you go to a bar, you drink whatever you want. You come to my house, you drink what I have. Okay, so I'm going to liken someone to uh, liken Elon Musk to someone of the past. This guy's name is Jacob Reese, and he, by many, is considered the father of photography. Now, follow me with this, okay? He was around in the late 1800s, and him and uh, this guy Thomas Burns, who invented the Rhodes Gallery which is a collection of photographs of known criminals. Uh, We would know the Rhodes Gallery as modern-day mugshots. So Jacob Reese was a photographer and also a crime reporter. And what he did was he put the spotlight on slums in New York City. He also wrote a book, How the Other Half Live. So he demonstrated deplorable conditions, right? He was representing another reality to people, and he forced Americans to confront these issues. And isn't that exactly what Elon Musk is doing? He's forcing us to have these conversations, to accept the reality of what actually happened, and that is the trademark of an entrepreneur. Always be curious, always ask questions, Always, what if? What if I press this button? What's going to happen? What if I release these tweets? What will happen? And here we are determining what will happen. Elon Musk, he is a genius. And, I mean, he's proven himself to be a genius. And fortunately, he has a few billion dollars to throw away if this doesn't work out. But more people are talking about Twitter right now than ever. And more people are tuning into Twitter than mm-hmm. ever. I've still never quite understood understood how Twitter monetizes itself. Um, Through all of the advertisers that all left, but are all right. now returning, coming right. back as so, they yeah, see I, usage growing. So, yeah. So, there is now curiosity on this platform, whereas before it was just kind of being vilified. Mm-hmm. Good for Elon. You know what? He bought this. It's an asset. He can do what he wants with it. He can, It's kind of like going out and buying a sports car. You can race it and wreck it, or you can take it, take care of it and put it in a museum, but it is your car. Do what you want. My question for Elon is, what does he want to focus on next? Because whatever it is, he gets people talking. He does. Now, Donald Trump, of course, 
uh, responded. He called for a new election and the termination of rules and regulations and even articles of those written in the Constitution. This is wholly ridiculous. This is... Can he please go away? Casey, he, he is killing me. He... For anybody out there who thinks that he stands for small government or liberty, absolutely not. He doesn't care about the Constitution. It is just something that is in his way, and he is absolutely tearing America apart. Now, you're not going to see any of this story above the fold. Mainstream media completely ignored it uh, to make Twitter legitimate, Elon says they must come clean from their past. And uh, he said, despite the censorship from Twitter, uh, mainstream media is just an arm of the left, left wing media. And the networks gave zero coverage of this. ABC, CBS, NBC. How much time do you think they spent on this Friday or Saturday? Oh, how many minutes? Just take a guess. Uh, 30 seconds, maybe? Zero. Zero. Okay. Zero Zero time. Well, and all the national news has turned into quasi-tabloid news. It's um, about like TMZ anymore, and I think that everybody's in a race to do that. It's because the ratings are down. It's typically only people over 50 that consume national news. They're trying to remain relevant Um, But there's so many other opportunities for people to consume news and get their own news that feeds their own narrative. So, yes, the people who are at CBS, NBC, ABC, do they lean left? Absolutely. It's because they come through journalism schools. They're typically at liberal universities. That's how they get there. Uh, The fact that WIBC leans right is an anomaly in that universe. Okay, so let's go down memory lane. You'll probably recall all of this audio. Here's Joe Biden saying the incriminating emails on Hunter's laptop, it was just a smear campaign and a bunch of garbage. 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is has all the care for five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. This is classic Trump. We have four days left, and all of a sudden, there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that, from the intelligence community, that the Russians are engaged. I still think that the stories from the fall about your son Hunter were Russian disinformation as near campaign, like you said. Yes, yes, yes. I know you'd ask it. I have no response. It's another smear campaign. It's a last-ditch effort in this desperate campaign to smear me and my family. The vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. Okay, so the vast majority of intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. Well, if that's the case, this is the president giving an incredibly damning indictment of our intelligence community. Absolutely. There's something here, and the national media does need to put some focus on this. I, so, I, I look at this. To have a sitting president, he'd been a vice president. Is his son a mess? Absolutely his son is a mess. Is there something here? Absolutely. Hunter Biden enriched himself. My guess is Joe Biden probably enriched himself. Probably. I'm not, well, <laughs> You're still questioning? Uh, Journalistic integrity. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Multiple times, the president emphatically stated the position of the intelligence community, which we now know has been 
proven wrong. It's 18 minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey with Brad on 93 WIBC. Good morning. Monday, Monday. <laughs> so good to me. So good to you if your name is Rob Kendall. He has the day off today and good for him. He deserves it. He told me he was going to spend the day sleeping. A couple people on the YouTube chat are trying to figure out if he's watching. I hope he's not. Honestly, I hope he just unplugged and is not doing anything other than just relaxing. Are you talking about the Rob Kendall that sits in the chair yeah, that know, I'm in right we now? We know he's not you relaxing. Know, he, he, both has, he has the YouTube feed up and he's listening to us on the air. <laughs> I hope not. Go back to sleep, Rob. It is 23 minutes after nine. My name is Casey Daniels. That's Brad Klappenstein filling in for Rob today. Let's take a look at some of the trending stories. Uh, Sesame Street icon Bob McGrath passed away. He started on the show in 1967, continued on for 47 seasons. He died at the age of 90. Did you watch Sesame Street growing up? All the time growing up. Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. Yeah, did you have a favorite character on Sesame Street? Uh, Cookie Monster, Mm -hmm. the Snuffleupagus, Big Bird. Yeah, I always liked Elmo. He was one of the newer characters, but uh, also Oscar the Grouch. In his trash can. Now, so you you have children, which I do mm-hmm. not, so mm-hmm. you got to have round two of Sesame Street. Well, that's what I'm saying with yeah. Elmo. Kind yeah, of it, came back out in the talking doll, talking Elmo. That, that was the thing around my place when uh, my daughter was young. Also trending, Chris Christie's niece. Uh, she is 25 years old. She was arrested and accused of biting an officer on Spirit Airlines after a fight broke out when she accused a Latino family of smuggling cocaine. So here's the question. Is this a case where everybody has a crazy member in their family, the black sheep, or are airlines just complete circuses now that we're all at our wits end? Uh, It is both. Yeah. So yes, Chris Christie should not be held accountable for his 25-year-old niece saying that's that's not my cocaine, it's their cocaine. Yeah. Which is probably what happened. Sounds like somebody was <laughs> instigating a fight. Somebody was looking for a fight. Finally trending, Axel Rose. Typically, at the end of his concerts, Axel Rose would throw the microphone out into the crowd. This time, however, it hit a woman in the face and resulted in two black eyes. Axel Rose found out about it. He put out a press release and said, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be doing that anymore. So have we lost our sense of toughness? Or should this woman have been paying better attention to what's going to happen on the stage? I didn't know that he always threw a microphone out into the crowd. That just seems to be a bad idea. Yeah, he's so, just inviting trouble in with that, he, right? He has, he microphones are kind of expensive. And they're, they're, <laughs> Good point. <laughs> they're, they're heavy. I mean, yeah, you might want to come up with something that, that that is a little softer. How about a Nerf hoop? Yeah, or a Nerf ball. You know what? It's, if she's if she's getting hit in the face, she probably had some pretty good seats to the show. Yeah, she's definitely within range of him throwing it out there, and yeah. she's not paying attention, or hand-eye coordination is poor. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is 26 minutes after 9. He's Brad Kloffenstein in for Rob Kendall today. My name is Casey Daniels, and let's talk about something that happened Friday when Rob and I got off the air, and by 
Today, it was all wrapped up, and that is the fact that the governor, Eric Holcomb, was in the hospital. He went in for what he thought was just an illness or the flu, and then he was diagnosed with pneumonia. And they said out of an abundance of caution, he was admitted to the hospital and responded well to treatment. He was released, and now he's resting at home. So... How much is reasonable to know about the health of our elected officials? That's a good question. First, Governor, I wish you well. I I hope that you're back up and on your feet soon. But you're right. I I heard that rumor about the same time you did on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Thursday during the day, I saw at least one picture of the governor. I think he was breaking ground on something up north. Mm -hmm. So he was at least out and about some on Thursday. Um, I don't know. It. I guess we need to make sure that our elected officials are not incapacitated. We need to have enough information to know that they can do their job. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if he would have just had the flu, we would have never heard anything about this. Right. But it, it ended up being pneumonia, which is obviously a, a little bit bigger deal. So I don't know. I guess it depends on who the public official is and what that means for their ability to do the job. Probably he should have just been allowed to have pneumonia on his own and and not have us know about it and talk about it. Yeah, but I, that's... there's currently no law that says they have to release any medical records, kind of like their tax returns. There's no law, so I'm okay with it. I I don't want there to be a ruling on this. Like you must show us because if you do reveal your medical records, like your tax returns, deal with the consequences. Yeah, that... if you don't release them deal with the consequences just like we've seen with john fetterman and you know many people questioning joe biden as well uh i'm curious if eric holcomb had to deal with any supply chain issues or staff shortages while he was in the hospital because that is something that many hospitals are currently still still dealing with um as a result of lockdowns which Holcomb perpetuated. Yeah. Well, it, and I know with uh, the respiratory virus that's going around, especially with children, that there's a lot of antibiotics out there that are difficult to come by. Yeah, I would like to know, did all the drugs that he need, were they readily available? Mm-hmm. wonder what hospital he went to. If, if he was up in northern Indiana on Thursday, did he go to a northern Indiana hospital? Did he come back home and then say, hey, I'm not feeling very well. I, let's go see some someplace in Indianapolis. Um yeah, I would be curious to hear his story. Maybe we should invite him on to tell his story. <laughs> Maybe next Monday when Rob's not here. Uh, <laughs> Kurt Darling is sitting by with the news. And up next, we're going to talk with Mel McMahon. Mel McMahon. Hi, Mel. Hi. She's been around the building for a very long time. We've got Radiothon coming up with WIBC, but I'm new to it. So she's going to give us the full skinny on it on the way from 93 WIBC. Good morning. Outside is frightful, mm-hmm. but the fire is so delightful. 9.35, it is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, filling in for Rob today is Brad Kloffenstein. And a familiar voice to our listeners is joining us in the studio. It's Mel McMahon. Okay, Mel, you uh, you worked here at WIBC for many years, so a lot of people are familiar with you. Yeah, I was here for a long time. Did afternoons and mornings mm-hmm. and weekends, so you couldn't get away from me, really. <laughs> You to work. Sorry about that. <laughs> right now, you're serving as the executive producer of Radiothon, mm-hmm. and that begins on Friday here at WIBC. And I'm the new kid, so you're the one with all the experience in this. What is Radiothon? Well, first of all, I'm so excited to meet you in person. Been listening since you came on, and it's lovely to meet you. And I'm so excited for you to have your first WIBC Radiothon for yeah. the Salvation Army because it is 
so much fun. It's so rewarding. And it's for such a good cause. Mm-hmm. So 28 years ago, the Radiothon started as just a few hours mm-hmm. on the circle, seeing if they could raise some money. I think maybe they got $500. Mm-hmm. And it has grown into a 36-hour on-air campaign where last year we raised a record-breaking four hundred twenty-six thousand dollars wow for kids in central indiana that's fantastic it was amazing it was amazing and it's it's grown over the years it's changed a Mm -hmm. lot it's evolved but it's improvement right so when i first took over as executive producer that was in 2011 because Mm -hmm. here on staff i would help with you know getting bands in the studio helping with content those kinds of things and in 2011 i actually took a full-time job with the Salvation Army when I was part-time here. So Mm -hmm. I kind of flip-flopped back and forth. Yeah. But I became the executive producer. And that first year, it was a three-day, live, the entire time event. Mm -hmm. And we did about $146,000. And I was like, okay, I get this now. Right? That was like my second year really watching it. So the next year... We did $196,000. Perfect. The next year, we did Mm $249,000. And it just kept growing, Mm -hmm. and we kept making it more efficient, kept changing the roles a little bit so they would just be a little easier to, you know, because you you had like 50-something people when we first started Radiothon. Now we're to a very efficient crew. Everybody knows what their role (laughs) is, and we have not increased anyone's job responsibilities. So I consider that a win in itself, because being a part of it, being on the air, being a volunteer, putting together as staff, Mm -hmm. you have to want to do it, Mm -hmm. because that's how we're successful, right? You have to have happy people willing to answer the phones. You have happy people ringing that bell and you have to have happy hosts who want to be there. Mm -hmm. And so a big part of my role is helping you share the stories, Mm -hmm. right? Sad doesn't sell. We want to hear the hope, Mm -hmm. right? How has the Salvation Army helped 30 million Americans overcome poverty, addiction, hardship, right? How are these kids doing after school programs? How are they getting help? And that's the stories we're going to be sharing. And then we need our listeners to call in and donate that money so the Salvation Army can get their job done. Because we don't want the government taking care of these people. They don't really know what they're doing, do they? But the Salvation Army sure does. Okay, so what time does it start on Friday? So we kick off at 6 a.m. Okay, with Tony We're live at Sullivan. Actually, Tony's taking the day off. Oh, perfect. Of course he is. So, (laughs) Terry Stacy and then Eric Allen from our sister station, B105.7, are going to kick things off with me. We'll be at Sullivan Hardware and Garden at 71st and Keystone, Mm -hmm. and we are live there the entire event. So we'll start at 6 a.m. Friday, Mm -hmm. and we are on the air until 6 p.m. Saturday. So we have a 36-hour window to raise... As much money as possible. As much money as possible. Do you like to put a number on it? Because I know a lot of fundraisers don't like to say a number because if you start to get close to the number, then donations start to go down. So part of the reason I work for myself now and I don't have a boss is because I don't like doing things the way they want it done. So they will say, (laughs) "Eh, we're going to raise like $400,000. I'm like, no, we're not. We're raising 450000 And then in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, my gosh, could we hit half a million this year? Yeah. Because if you look at the pattern, like look at the data, mm-hmm. you know, we've gone up at least 50 grand every, every year. year, right? So I actually left to come back to MS full-time, and I left the Salvation Army with Radiothon, and the next year they did $270,000, so more than I left them with. Then it kind of stuck at two fifty for a few years. So they asked me back in 2019, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, yeah, it's you know you you can get two fifty. Like have just we, try to get two fifty, right? Yeah. So we did three hundred fifteen thousand dollars. Oh, you're the key to the success. Then in twenty twenty, right? I do love leading the team, mm-hmm. but it is a team effort. Hey, speaking of team, Kevin, your band is going to be playing on Saturday at Sullivan's Hardware, right? Yeah, we'll be playing at three p.m. 
Uh, we've done it a couple times in the past, and it's always a fun time. Uh, love playing in the greenhouse there at Sullivan Hardware. Mm-hmm. So he's donating t- his yeah. time. Yeah. And, and that's part of it. A lot of people donating their time because you need a lot of volunteers to mm-hmm. make this happen, don't yeah. you? Yeah, and we still have lots of openings on Saturday. Okay. So we still need people to answer the phones. We still need bell ringers. Uh, random runners from the stage to get all the things that we need because I'm on the stage with the host the whole time so Mm -hmm. I'll be with you during your entire show perfect and my job is to really make sure you have the information that you need Mm -hmm. make sure all the guests are lined up Uh, if we need drinks or coffee I'm always waving like running you know runners come bring us stuff and it takes a lot of really dedicated people to make this successful so we do still have some holes so if you want to volunteer yeah Mel at IndianaOwned.com is my email address. Send me an email and I will connect you with Kathy to make sure we get those spots filled in because they're really important. Okay, talk to me about the Salvation Army. That's who benefits from this Mm -hmm. event. Mm -hmm. Why the Salvation Army? What do they stand for? So the Salvation Army serves everyone without discrimination. And there's no way that you can serve more than 30 million Americans without that, right? Mm -hmm. Without that as your mission. And so it could be someone who needs gift for, gifts for their kids at Christmas. It could be a safe place to go after school. It could be protection from domestic violence. It could be finding you housing after your house burned down. Wherever the need is, the Salvation Army will be there. And that's why I support them. You said something off the air, soup, soap, salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me about that. Explain that. Expound on that more. So that's something that's a little different for the Salvation Army than some other Christian-based organizations. Mm-hmm. They don't make you sign a paper that says, I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior before they help you. And that does happen, mm-hmm. right? So the Salvation Army truly believes that no one's going to help themselves if they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yeah. No one's going to help themselves if they don't know where they're going to lay their head down that night. So it's soup first, then soap. Then if you choose salvation, Mm -hmm. they will help you with that too. It sounds fantastic. So how do you find your recipients and and how broad of a range do they go from central Indiana? So central Indiana is Marion County and all the surrounding counties, but the Salvation Army is in the entire division. So all 92 counties. It is in every single zip code in the United States. And it is in almost every single country in the entire world. Wow. It is a worldwide organization. Mm-hmm. Every country does things a little differently, right? And so international might do things different than the United States, which might do things different than the division, which might do things a little different than central Indiana. But it's designed that way because everyone's need is different. There's no blanket recipe for how to help people, right? You have to tailor things to the mm-hmm. community that you're serving. And is, that's what the Salvation Army is really, really good at. Now, is all of the money raised staying in Marion County or is it staying in Indiana? So it what's raised here stays here. So we now Lo- have- People an, love that. Yes, exactly. You and, don't want to give to something that's going across the country and not affecting the community you live in. It's very interesting if you look up the rates for nonprofits of where your dollar actually goes. Mm-hmm. So when you donate to the Salvation Army, that money stays here, mm-hmm. right? It stays in your community. It even goes by zip code, depending on what we're doing, right? If you donate to a disaster, it goes to that disaster. It does not go into some big pot that they can use for some disaster later. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not such a good thing, right? But the community is so generous, and they do such a good job of taking care of our own 
that that's what makes the Salvation Army be able to keep going day by day by day because there's such a need and they're helping when you don't even realize it. Why did you get involved with the Salvation Army? You could have you could have picked any charitable organization and there's plenty of them. The Salvation Army helped me put my life back together after my daughter died. Oh. Uh, Casey, this is getting to me. This is a new story for you, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but in 2008, I was sitting in the room behind us, and I got a phone call that my daughter wasn't breathing when I was on the air. And I was so broken after that that I actually left radio. Yeah. Because I couldn't fake my life on the air every day. Everybody wanted me to have a good day, and I just wasn't. Yeah. And at that time, I was already a spokesperson for the Salvation Army. I was going to churches and schools and telling people about the great work the Salvation Army was doing because I met them through Radiothon before I was leading it. And there was a point where I needed to decide, like, okay, I can't bum around anymore. I have to get a job. I have to keep moving. And at the time, I had a non-compete which meant I couldn't work at a different station. And I knew I wasn't ready to go back on the air. Mm -hmm. And that's when the Salvation Army asked me to take over Radiothon and come be their corporate relations coordinator. They saved you. And that's what I did. And they helped heal my heart and they helped me put my life back together. And that's what I mean by they meet you where the need is. God bless you. There was no script for that for them, right? That's not in some book somewhere. And they didn't even know I needed that. And that is why I am so passionate about the work that they do because they healed me and I've seen them heal others. Mm -hmm. And it is a scary, scary thought to think about what this world would look like if the Salvation Army wasn't there. Hugs as soon as we're done. <laughs> yeah. Mel, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And this starts Friday, 6 a.m. Is mm -hmm. there a phone number? Yes, we have a new phone number this year. Yeah. You ready for it? I'm ready for it's it. It's so easy. Casey, yeah. you're going to have no idea. I'll, I'll let you know what the old phone number was and when we're off the air. Okay. The phone number to call mm -hmm. will be 833-855-9393. And you can donate online right now at WIBCRadiothon.com. 1-833-855-9393. Mel, thank you so much for coming in. You're beautiful. Thank you so much for and having me. We appreciate me. what I'm you're honored. doing. And uh, we're going to count on all of our WIBC listeners to help us raise as much money as possible to help people in need. Yeah, it's for the kids. Yeah. It's all about the kids. It is 93 WIBC. Good morning. NIPSCO and other Indiana utilities are attempting to raise rates. Oh boy, it is 9.51. It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and filling in for Rob today is Brad Kloffenstein. Okay, so the public's going to get a chance to weigh in on NIPSCO's uh, latest proposed electricity rate hike. They're expected to raise the average monthly electricity bill from $107 to $133. They've got this public hearing coming up on December 12th in Hammond and also January 4th in Valpo. You can also write, you can submit written comments if you'd like. 
<laughs> let them know how you feel about this. Um, okay, so the utility serves more than uh, four. Uh, it's over four hundred and fifty thousand customers across northern Indiana. And is, is this the right time for this, Brad? It might seem a little tone deaf. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'd like to to hear a little bit more about why they think that this is necessary. That seems like a pretty substantial jump in rates. Um, My guess is, and unfortunately, I think a lot of EPA regulations are behind this. Mm -hmm. Um, Pretty much the the Biden EPA is forcing all power utilities to get rid of coal, and for that matter, get rid of a lot of natural gas. And as we've learned... um, Renewables are not necessarily as cheap as they bill themselves. And that's part of it. They're saying they're seeking higher electricity rates to fund infrastructure projects, including moving from coal fire generating fleet to renewable energy sources like wind and solar operations, which are now under construction. What the man got to do to build a hydroelectric da- electric dam around this state anymore? It's- so that's the thing. The Green Dream now is going to be affecting many people's electricity bills. Yeah, it's true. I mean, yeah, all these things come with a cost. And, you know, I I am a small-time investor in um, Peabody Energy, which is a coal the coal producer mm-hmm. down in southern Indiana. And I know their stock's been doing really well lately. Um, and some of it is, I think, that these renewables, people are realizing, are not as cheap and is not as, not as dreamy and reliable as they'd once thought. And anybody who's still producing via coal, um, they're doing everything they can to keep the coal online just because otherwise prices are going to go up. And I'm sure that this is a way NIPSCO is getting around that to try to build them a little buffer in so that they can potentially go into some more renewables. But the fact is, at least right now, it's fossil fuels generate the, the bulk of the energy in the United States. I want to talk about Stacey Abrams for just a second. So, this is a twice-failed Georgia Democrat gubernatorial candidate, and she can't win an election, so what is she doing now? She's lobbying the Biden White House to be the next nominee for the Federal Communications Commission, right? So, she can't win elections. Now, she wants to move to being appointed. If you can't win by the people, go beg somebody else. I mean, this is Pete Buttigieg. someone who's just cannot get out of the government circle. No, uh, like, she, she wants it. Should we invite her in to sit in, in one of these chairs? No. <laughs> her only desire is to work in a government. Get off of the government teat. Go get a real job. It's a presidential appointment. It's not congressional. So Biden can say, yeah come on in. And uh, the FCC is an independent U.S. government regulatory agency that oversees all interstate and international communications. I'm FCC licensed, by the way. Do you have a like a, a is it like a driver's license? Does it have your picture on it? It is. It doesn't have my picture on it, but it does have my signature on it. And at one point, when I first started in radio, uh, disc jockeys and operators and people on you know on the air had to be licensed. They always said that they could pull your license. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that that's a, a requirement anymore. Um, if so, I'm driving without a license right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're riding dirty, huh? So let's talk about some of the ramifications if Stacey Abrams were to become one of the commissioners. So there's five commissioners on the FCC, three from the party in power, two 
come from the non-party in power. And one of the five is always the chairman, which always comes from the party in power. And they oversee anything that emits RF, TV, radio, remote controls. They regulate the frequencies that cell phones use. Their top priority right now, one of them, is to ensure that the public can always reach 911 in case of an emergency. And they're also working right now to combat robocalls and malicious caller ID spoofing. And they say that their top consumer protection is a priority for the agency. But if Stacey Abrams were to become a commissioner on the FCC, would she try to bring the Fairness Doctrine back? And that means the Fairness Doctrine went away in the late 80s, I believe 1987. And it's because the Fairness Doctrine was repealed is the reason we had the rise of people like Rush Limbaugh. Because what the Fairness Doctrine says is that if you have an opinion, you have to present both sides. Different from political equal time, but you have to give both sides a choice. As a libertarian, I am equal time. (laughs) It is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Good morning.